Welcome back to the Art Inside the Craft podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Glazier, and this is episode number 18. Today's guest is an incredible writer, poet, and musician, Noah Lekas. Noah's work first caught my eyes and ears when our mutual friend Scott Rosenbaum of the Sidemen documentary mentioned his work to me, and he was not wrong. Noah's book Saturday Night Sage and his vinyl album Sounds from the Shadow Factory were stunning pieces of art, and while the book and vinyl are not currently available, his YouTube channel has the filmmaker's visions of those works of art that you must see. We also discuss a couple of different bands and music projects he's involved in, including his band American Restless. Let's take a listen in on that interview now with Noah Lekas. I guess I always kind of like to start off with, like, just real quick, where you grew up and how you actually started, uh, got into writing. Yeah, man, I'm from uh, Racine, Wisconsin, so it's a smaller um, kind of factory town um, in the Midwest, uh, right between um, Milwaukee and Chicago. So kind of in the the kind of Rust Belt um, corridor there. And uh, I got into writing. I mean, I really got in. I really got into like punk, into like punk literature. And I think that was, that was probably the thing. Um, the first poetry stuff I ever got into uh, was like Dylan Thomas and stuff that kind of, kind of more like your main, uh, I don't know if Dylan Thomas is mainstream exactly, but you know what I mean? It's yeah. in the poetry world, he, he would be considered like, it's like getting into the Beatles. You know what I mean? It's yeah. kind of, it's kind of, uh, you know, a good, a, a good first step. Um, but yeah, I got into that stuff. That was like middle school, really. Like, um, maybe seventh grade. I think, I think seventh grade is when I had my mind blown by like punk music and stuff. Wow. Know? And so, um, yeah, that kind of stuff. I got really into William Burroughs and like the kind of like, like the beat generation kind of stuff. And, um, Meanwhile, getting really into kind of punk music via Nirvana, Kurt Cobain, Sonic Youth. Like at the time, I mean, you don't, I don't know if you think about it as much now, um, but at the time, like those bands were really art bands, you know, they were really like, they put a lot of, you know, painting and abstract art. Like I, I can remember going to Barnes and Nobles and buying like, buying an abstract expressionism book and then walking over to Best Buy and buying like a Sonic Youth album. And that didn't, seem, <laughs> That's cool. that didn't seem abnormal to me at 13 years old. It seemed like, yeah, this is like, if you're going to be into Sonic Youth, you better learn about abstract. You know, sure. it's like, it just kind of seemed like it went with it. So that was kind of the gateway. And then actually writing though, man, I didn't really, it's like song lyrics and stuff, but I also like, I was really into Sunny Day Real Estate and like Jeremy oh, yeah. Enoch. There was like this legend that Jeremy Enoch like didn't write lyrics. He just like went to the studio. It's probably not true at, at all. <laughs> I mean, I would love to ask him someday, but there was like this like urban myth or whatever that he just like showed up and like mumbled lyrics and that was like that. <laughs> wow. So like we all kind of like and like you couldn't really, you know, a lot of like the noise rock stuff and everything, you couldn't really understand the lyrics anyhow. So like yeah. I don't think I really got into song like lyric writing until maybe high school, but that was the first thing. It's like songwriting and lyrics. And then um, I ended up getting a job writing some music reviews when I was 
I was in college. So, I mean, maybe I was 20, hmm. 20 years old, maybe. And then, so I was doing that. And then, yeah, everything just kind of, you know, you if you play in bands and you can write, you end up writing album reviews and you end up writing sure. bios and um, press kit stuff. And then somebody asks you to write a website and it just kind of at that time. Yeah. yeah and at that time too, it, I mean, it's like year 2000 or something. So it's not, everybody's not like thinking about how to market themselves yet. Mm. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. social media hasn't completely turned us all into like advertisers. So, you know, people would still ask you for help, you know, now they'll just be like, yeah, my band's got a thousand more followers than you. So <laughs> I don't need your help. You know right. what I mean? Like, yeah, you're right. You don't <laughs> You have a bigger following than I do. So you're That's obviously fun. better at it. Than, you know. And did you, uh, so then right around that times when you also started picking up guitar? Oh, uh, it's not, I started playing music earlier on. So, mm. so my dad's a, musician and um so i started playing music when i was i, st I started on drums actually i started playing oh, drums like in, like in uh, third grade or something like, mm -hmm. like really early and then i did that for a few years and then um drumming was hard because you like as a kid like if you don't have someone to play with it like just was a just felt pro prohibitory like uh like needed someone to play with to play drums and perfect. so um which you don't, but that's how it felt, you know? And then, so I got into guitar because my dad plays organ. He's like a Hammond B3 player. Oh, cool. So I couldn't play that because then I'd have to compete with him. Right. So right. I <laughs> picked the guitar and then, um, just fell in love with it. I mean, I loved, I mean, I still do. I love guitar. Like, I just think it's the coolest. I think it's the coolest instrument that's ever existed. I just love it. So it became an obsession. And then, um, yeah, so I started playing out like shows when I was about thirteen. So like whatever that is, eighth grade, mm. I started playing out, and then yeah, never stopped. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it kind of feels fun. like uh, with guitar, it seems like the older you get, the more you play, the more you can kind of express yourself. I, yeah, I don't know if that makes sense. Like it's like you can copy somebody's guitar solo note for note, or you can you know, kind of strum along. But once you start playing stuff and you're like, oh yeah, that's, you get repeating themes come through in your music. I, I think that's kind of cool, you know? Totally. Yeah. Well, you get like a vocabulary, you know? Right. So you end up going like, well, this is how, you know, this is how I say this. And then you start to kind of build up that lexicon on the instrument and then it becomes really fun. And writing the same as music, the same as um, poetry, all these things, I always liked things that I could do. Like I didn't need permission. I didn't mm. need someone to ask me to be in their band. I didn't need I didn't need to be like the coolest kid or be the most talented or the most articulate to be able to make the art that I wanted. I just could figure out how to do enough yeah. of it to do it. And so that was kind of what motivated me. Um was uh <laughs> oh, <laughs> an overwhelmingly low expectation of being accepted by people. So I just figured out how to do it myself. You know? Sometimes you get the best results that way. <laughs> well, I think everyone, everyone who does art for any prolonged period of time, it's not just like, like a passive, which is, I mean, it's a beautiful, like I envy people who have been able to like 
passively engage with art mm. and be productive and satisfied and not be consumed by doing it. Like that's like, that's like a very, it's a very enviable um, position to be in, you know, sure. yeah. to just enjoy it. And that's so beautiful. And that's what it should be. It should just be enjoyable. But like, it just wasn't wired that way. Like I had to figure out how to make everything, everything I did had to, you know, be some sort of art, mm. like at least in my own head, you know, even if yeah. another person's like, yo, that shit's terrible. It's not art. <laughs> like, okay. But in my head, I, I was reaching for something that something. Like, yeah, that's cool. Creative, you know? So, yeah. And, um, like we've talked about this before, but the first time I ran across you was through our mutual friend, uh, filmmaker and drummer, Scott Rosenbaum. Oh and- yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. <laughs> you know, Scott. And, yeah. uh, and so the work he did with you on out of the storm drains was just, I mean, that was so crazy. It was cool stuff. Um, oh, I love that video. Yeah. He did such a good <laughs> yeah. job. He's a really, he's a, he's just a cool dude. Man. Yeah. Like, I don't know how else to say it. Like, he's, he's, just, he's always he's just involved in so much crazy cool stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He, yeah. He definitely hustles. Like, he's always, like, he's always pushing for the next, like, like the next cool thing, you know? So, yeah, it was awesome. I actually, I had heard about him from a friend. Um, we, we had a mutual friend and, um, the guy whose name is is um, also Scott, and uh, he had told me like, oh yeah, there's this dude like you should meet him like like you guys are into a lot of the same stuff, and I was just like, well, who is he or whatever, and then um, he was like, well, he's the guy who did uh, side um, Sidemen. yeah, and I was like, what, you know that dude? And then he was like, yeah, man, you, like you should talk to him. I was like, well, yeah, I should talk to him, you know, because I because I love that stuff, like you know, like that chicago era blues like that's i mean that's some of my favorite music so i like that film a lot and so yeah. we got talking and um yeah yeah he's yeah that's cool. funny because he said the same thing about you he's oh, like really? hey, do you know noah and i'm like no he's like oh you gotta talk to him he's into so much cool stuff i was like all right <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's it's funny game <laughs> yeah yeah um it's awesome though yeah he's a, a good dude man he's got um he he has done some cool stuff. He's he's got stories too, man. He's a he's a good conversation off the record. Oh yeah. Sure. <laughs> um, well, that was kind of what led me into. Uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about um, the album "Sounds from the Shadow Factory" and then the book uh, "Saturday Night Sage." Um, just you know, kind of talk about that project a little bit, how that came to be, um, and how it evolved into the films that ended up coming out of that. Oh yeah. Well, or the video pieces, I should say. (laughs) Yeah. It all started with, I mean, they're kind of mini films, you know, I mean, they started with the, I mean, it started with the book. I had a, I had written a, what we call like chap book, like a, not a quite a full length poetry Hmm. collection, but it was like a pretty healthy, you know, maybe it was 50 pages or something of poetry. And I had done that when I was younger um and i kind of threw it in the drawer and it kind of wasn't that good like it was it was okay you know what i mean like and there was some stuff that survived but a lot of the best stuff got turned into songs and so i kind of cannibalized oh so i had been i had been sort of through the process of trying to like put together a cohesive poetry collection and not successfully but successfully in the way of like i figured out what i don't like 
mm. or maybe what I don't want mine to be, right? Because I don't right. really, I don't really dislike certain things when other people do them. It's just that's not what I was wanting oh. to do. Because really. um, the, because the, because like the older version, it just it was more of like just a, it was more like you throw like you take everything in the shoebox and stuff it in a book, right? Like like mm. like there wasn't a clear. There was maybe themes of you know, but like grandiose like young person themes of like um existence or something you know i mean just mm. like there there wasn't clear themes that i thought i could add that i could add any perspective to so the best stuff kind of got ripped out of it and got put into songs and those songs ended up getting killed and you know what i mean like it all <laughs> all dies a slow bit but yeah. uh so I, I had been through the process and i had um kind of been like working on some new stuff and Dan from blind owl, he had mm. been asking me to write like liner notes for a few of the albums. So we would do like, some of them were like more abstract, kind of more poetic. Some of them were like, you know, the band started in 1999. Mm. At, well, you know what I mean? So there was, there was a wide variety and I was like, Hey, you know, I have this thing I'm working on. And like, I think maybe it could be cool for Blind Owl. And then he was like, well, he got really into this idea of like having like a writer on the label, right? Because he was like, he was really interested in, I don't know how to say exactly, but Dan's like one of these guys where he's like, like he's, he is passionate about creativity. Like I can't, I can't really stress that strong enough. If you can, like, if he gets excited about a creative idea, like he, he will, he's all in, he will champion you. Mm. He's like a, he's a strong supporter. Um, and he's just a wildly creative person. He's got a hundred things he's doing all the time. He's always working on something. So, um, we sort of this idea of like sort of rock and roll attitude in writing, like it's, it's obviously not a new idea. I mean, there's been a whole, legacy of like sort of writers who move between you know rock and writing right so um it's not exactly like a new invention but he was really interested in having some something like that with the label so um i was working on this series of writings that a friend of mine donald grosskost he is a abstract painter Mm. and a beautiful painter like he just I, i love his work and um, just so happens to be a very dear friend. And so he was sending me some photos of some of his new series. I mean, this is five years ago now or something, but he was sending me some photos of his, of, of, of what at the time was his new series. And I was like, man, I just want to like write a whole thing just based on your painting. And he's That's like, we'll cool. do it. Like, go ahead. So I, I ended up writing 10 of them. Wow. Based on his paintings. And those I think eight of those are in the book. Ah. So that became the real spark of like once. So Dan was excited about doing something writerly on the label. Donald had this new series of work that ignited um, a certain storyline for mm. me. And then it just so happened. Those two things happened pretty much at the same time. So wow. I was making out a bunch of new pieces. So like, um, like steamroll the sky and um some stuff like that the bones of wise when crucified my feet like 
Um, a bunch of those types of pieces are all inspired by Donald's paintings, but then wow. other pieces like the word or like out of the storm drains, those are just ones that like are kind of about the story that is Saturday night stage. Um, so it's not all off the pangs, but like some of the meteor ones definitely. And the, and the actual poem Saturday night stage didn't come from the paintings. That's just, oh. that was just a something you had. Yeah. That was just something I had. And, um, well, I wrote it for the book, but it was an idea that I've been kicking around for, I don't know, a decade. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, not the title though. Once I had the title, I, and that's kind of how I work is like, I get the title and that's how I know that the idea is good enough to do usually like you won't catch me working on too many pieces that are like untitled. Oh. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> it's like normally like I'll think about it till I have that pinpoint. And then once I have that pinpoint of like, well, this is what it is. It's Saturday night sage. Okay. What is a Saturday night sage? And then it's like, then, then the world, it, it, kind of explodes for me and I can climb inside of it and start writing, you know? Oh, that's a very cool process. Um, but then the record, so then yeah. the record happened because um, Dan and I were just being honest with, with ourselves and we we're like, nobody reads, like, nobody wants a book. Like, so what, do, what the hell are we going to do? do? <laughs> and Dan was like, well, would you do recordings? I was like, well, look, man, I really like, like, listening to like Burroughs or Kerouac or, mm. um, you know, there's like some great audio of like Tom Waits reading Bukowski or oh, yeah. Burroughs doing the, the Caprice they call him. That was a big record for me when I was young. Like I, I went to a record store and I bought the wow. priest they called him okay. and with, uh, <laughs> Kurt Cobain and uh, Burroughs, you know, um, and then, so, I mean, the idea, I was open to it and I, I didn't realize till later that it was something that could be perceived as like, kind of like spoken word, you know, cause I didn't think of it that way. I just thought of it as like a piece of art, you know, right. um, cause I've certainly never done poetry readings or like spoken, like that's just not my world at all. So, um, I didn't think of it that way, but then once we had the recordings, I was like, we'll do, let's just do videos because they felt really cinematic you know and then i was fortunate to be surrounded by awesome filmmakers and like shelby did a um did did one for we've got a problem with groundwater oh yes and that did that played two film festivals it um i think it won an award in another one mm -hmm. and then it it's up for an award now, like in an Australian film festival. It's like these things that like, like they just keep going. <laughs> I don't, I think it's so bizarre. It's like, uh -huh. it's cool. I mean, it's, and it's great for Shelby and for me and for the book. I mean, it's awesome. It's like yeah. people really resonated with those videos, um, which was cool. And like storm drains won an award. Um, and, uh, something else did too. But anyways, yeah, it was really, really cool, man. It's like, um, it was just a cool process. So I definitely want to do that again for future projects. Like just kind of have it, it spiral <laughs> up, you know? Yeah. And then, um, and then Dan just, just, just like, well, dude, let's do vinyl. 
And um, I said, I don't really want to. He's like, nah, man, let's not. Let's not. And then he was like, well, um, then he worked out the arrangement to do the track with um, Ethan and uh, Rain. And uh, so the Saturday Night Sage track came together. And when that came together, uh, then I was like, okay, it's worth doing the vinyl. That's worth doing it. Huh? Like, that was like, that was a special enough. Um, it just pulled the piece together because it was like, well, how, how are we going to do vinyl for Saturday Night Sage and then not have a Saturday Night Sage track? Like, right. <laughs> so once that came, came uh, to fruition, it was kind of like, okay, well, it makes sense. And like Ethan was just so generous to do it. And um, Alan doing the artwork. I mean, these are people oh, yeah. that are, they're friends, but they're also kind of heroes of mine. Like I'm, I'm constantly inspired by them. And so to just have them involved was like, let's do anything they're <laughs> willing to do is cool with me. Right. <laughs> At that point, you kind of have to, you know, <laughs> you get something yeah, that cool, you got to do it the coolest way possible. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was kind of the logic. It's like, let's just pretend poetry is not darky for a second. What's the coolest way to do all this? And then we kind of just took a swing at that. And um, I, th I think we hit it in most regards. Like I'm, I am pretty proud of it all, you know? I mean, it's been three years since the book came out and like, I still like it, <laughs> you know what I mean? Which is like, that's pretty amazing, you yeah. know? <laughs> It's easy to not like stuff after it's out, you know. No, I love the whole thing. The the videos, the vinyl, the book, it's all all of it together. It's like when I tell people about it, it's like I tell them, you got to get the book, check out these videos. Oh, there was vinyl that they did. Hopefully that'll, you know, you can check that out sometime. So. Yeah, no, it's definitely coming back on the vinyl. But the, the, uh, like a book's actually out of print right now. So mm. we're trying to figure out. I don't know what we're going to do about that. Um we might, I don't know. It's a bigger conversation. That's probably not fit for a podcast, but it's just, it's just figuring out the logistics of, um, you know, it's different with books than it is with records, you know, um, as far as getting them out and getting them places and getting, mm, you know what I mean? Sure. It's like just a different process. And so just figuring out what would make that worthwhile. Um, but yeah, it's, it's actually out of press now. So, if you got one, you got one. If you don't, you don't. You know. Okay, so um, yeah, so about that. Um, really, the only thing, other thing that I was gonna say is that, um, and I said this to you of our last conversation is that, um, I feel like some of the sounds from the Shadow Factory kind of take on like a heightened and urgent feel when you're listening to them with the music, um, mm. and so when you like when you were uh, in the studio, is that kind of how you envisioned them? Like when you were writing them or because the music was there, did it kind of just come out that way? You know what I mean? Like, Oh yeah, no, it, it definitely changed it. I mean, in, 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 in intentionally. So, so when I write, um, when I write this kind of stuff, everything is kind of rhythmic. Right. So I'll have like, I have like a rhythm to it in, inside my head um almost like you would set up like a joke you know like a punchline is like bop 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 you know it's like you have oh, yeah. to like there's like a rhythm and i just that's just for this type of writing that's that's what i like so i just ah. 
I, I try as hard as I can when I'm writing poetry to not care if anybody likes it. Like I try really hard to just go like, this is what I would want to read. Sure. And so, or this is just what I want to read right now. So I'm writing it down so I can read it. Right. Like I really try hard to do that. Now, once I do that, I do go in and I edit to try to not be obtuse. Right. Like, Mm. Um, but I don't necessarily edit for like digestibility. I would just more like edit for, I kind of just want it to be what it is. Like if you're playing music, like you could sit down and write out a solo and it's going to be like a more cohesive, coherent solo probably. Right. Or, or you could just wing one. And if you just wing one, there's going to be something in it that is kind of fun, but it's also like probably not going to be the, probably you know not gonna be perfect just, yeah yeah just like as formally you know correct or something so i try really hard when i'm writing this kind of stuff to like not not turn it into all other kinds of writing because all other kinds of writing is like if you write a novel or a short story or you write like you know an article an essay anything like you have to the burden of clarity is always on the speaker, right? So like right. it's up to the audience to understand you. It's up to you to be clear enough that people understand you. So poetry, I I embrace the confusion more, right? I that's that's why I like it. That's mm-hmm. what I want to read. I like to read stuff that I have to like reread and think about when it comes to poetry. Hmm. So I try really hard to do that. So then when we got into the studio. And we're recording. I tried equally hard to not turn the music into what I heard when I was writing it. I tried really, really hard to just let people take it and run. And so there was a couple things that I reined in at times. Like, okay, let's, you know, um, but even like uh, storm drains, like that was Dan's idea to do the shifts in the three parts. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like that wasn't something I came up with. I probably would have just kept the whole thing with that first rhythm of like kind of chill. That was, that was to my memory, that was Dan and Chad came up with that, um, with those ships. And so, and so I tried really hard to just like let go and let things happen that they were hearing and feeling because that was the point. Because if I wanted to just play the guitar, I could have went in the studio and just tracked my own stuff, right? Right. Um, and then when it came to the films, I did the same thing. I didn't give, I didn't give Scott notes on Storm Dreams, really. You know, um, I didn't give Shelby notes on Groundwater. You know, I, I just said, hey, make the film that you feel. And like Shelby came back, for example, I recorded we have a problem with groundwater, which is what you have on the, on the vinyl. That's uh-huh. my recording of it. When you watch the video, it's completely different audio. Right. Shelby came back and said like, okay, I don't know if you're going to be upset about this, but I redid the audio. And I was like, okay. So I just watched it. I was like, this is perfect. Wow. No edits, you know, like, but I definitely went in telling everybody like, I want you to take it and make it yours. That's the point of this. Poetry is an isolating activity. You sit by yourself. Yeah. And you do this stuff. So it, I wanted to bring that 
collaborative spirit in. And the only way to do it was to let go of like the rhythm I had when I wrote it. And so to circle the mountain back to your question, <laughs> they're absolutely different. Every single one of them, you know, yeah. um, which is, I think it's why I like them. I think it's why it's cool. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It, it was very cool. I loved, I loved every single piece on there, man. I, I, I put that thing on and spin it at least once a week <laughs> oh, awesome. whenever I'm doing something, you know, I'll just put it on and spin it. It's, it's so cool. <laughs> um, and then, uh, kind of the other thing that I wanted to talk about obviously is the music, um, because you play in a couple of bands and there's a couple of projects. So I wasn't exactly sure about, um, but you have, uh, so there's American restless and then there's the silent comedy. So, yeah what's what's happening with those two yeah um we also have a, another side project that we're working on but um well you know it's uh diversifying <laughs> um the silent comedy is a band out of san diego california that mm. i i'm not like i'm not in the band in the sense of like i'm not a you know um I'm not a uh founding member or anything like that but i play with the band live and um josh zimmerman the lead singer he did the video for steamroll the sky oh yeah and um jer uh from the silent comedy worked on the empty your pockets lord he's um and chad the drummer from the silent comedy plays on like most of that sounds from the shadow factory record, you know, so like we're all just really good friends and we work on, you know, different types of stuff, but I play with the live band for the silent comedy predominantly. So cool. Um, I've been on a couple recordings and stuff, but I mostly um, just play live with them. So we're doing uh, a tour in July, um, okay. uh, heading out to the Northwest. We're going to under the big sky festival in Montana, which is like a, you know, there's all kinds of people playing. Okay. And like just cool, just a lot of cool bands are playing. Mm. And um, so we're headed back there this year and then kind of doing some dates throughout Seattle mm -hmm. and Portland and stuff. And then um, there's some other regional shows in the works that I don't have confirmation on. So I can't <laughs> spill. So I can't share that right now, but um, that tour in July is definitely happening and the silent comedy is putting out a new EP ah, okay. of, of stuff that they've, re that um they've written and they've recorded. Um, and I've heard the rough mixes of that and it sounds very, very good. So I think cool. people are, are going to dig that one. Um, and I'll be at the shows playing, so that should be fun. And then American Restless is sort of my my project with my friend Ian. Um, we I've I've known him pretty much my whole life, and so we um, have played together off and on since we were thirteen. I mean, the first show I ever played when I was thirteen was with Ian. So <laughs> no kidding. Um, yeah. So we have known each other for forever. So um, that band's kind of like kind of uh bluesy rockabilly grunge punk 
kind of band. It's just, you know, kind of straight ahead guitar music and cool. lots of fun. And we're recording a full length record this year. So, oh, nice. Um, I've barely got, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of, I, I have a lot of work to do for that project right now, but, um, we have an Instagram page that has barely anything on it. Um, but we're, uh, going to go cut that record. Um, and a friend of mine, Arjuna is playing drums. Who's also from my hometown. So we're all racine guys um and uh yeah that should be really really cool um so yeah that's a that's kind of like a passion project that one but it's a really fun one and um yeah it's kind of in that like if if people like you know like the black keys and the reverend horton heat and nirvana then you probably will like it like that in that power trio kind of fuzzy guitar guitar land you know <laughs> cool yeah that's cool i just i've been following along with everything and i just uh wasn't exactly sure how involved you were with all of it and what was happening so that's very cool i'm glad <laughs> yeah yeah so the cliff notes are i play with the silent comedy live um american restless is my band that i'm working on and uh Sounds from the Shadow Factory is getting repressed. <laughs> and I'm working on my next book right now, but it's not anywhere close to being done. Um, so I'm not going to talk about it too much, but it's a novella slash novel. So it's actual mm. fiction. It's not more poetry right now. Okay, cool. And then um, I don't know when I'll do another poetry book. It'll ha- It'll happen when I have an idea that like is as solid as Saturday Night Stage was. I'm not somebody who like really journals, you know? Oh yeah. So I don't sit and just like write my feelings out normally. So when I write poetry and stuff, I'm like, I'm writing it to write something. I'm not like just kind of spitballing and then like, Oh, well that's cool. You know, like I'm not really, it's not really how I work on stuff. And I think it's just because my day job's writing. So like sitting around and just like writing to write is not, not something fun. Like, well, it would be fun. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it would be fun. It used to be fun. You know, but it's a time game right now. It's just yeah. the exploratory time is just so, especially two years into the pandemic and stuff. It's just, you know, like it's, it's just not a lot of extra. I don't know about most people, but for me, the pandemic didn't create a lot of extra art time. Like it wasn't like I all of a sudden had like nothing to do. I it was like everything just got harder. It got hard, harder to do it, you know. And so mm, yeah, kind of took more time, and you know. So, um, but who knows? Ho- hopefully, we're on the home stretch here. I don't. Thank you again to Noah for taking part in this interview and sharing some of his story with us while also diving a little deeper into his creative process. You can follow Noah through his social media pages or his website, noahclekis.com. Keep an eye on Blind Owl Records as well for any updates to a possible re-release of Saturday Night Sage and Sounds from the Shadow Factory. 
You'll find links to all of Noah's pages on the podcast description and his YouTube channel as well. Stay up to date with my various projects at Black Cat Bone Productions, and thank you all for listening. Stay tuned, and I'll catch you all down the road. Thank you.